good evening. Maybe morning? Shit, it could even be afternoon. It's hard to tell from down here in Hivers. We are 665.66UHMR Chemrat Radio, broadcasting Vox Wide live from deep in the long-forgotten vaults lost somewhere in the sump. Last night's hive quakes revealed another fissure deep into the abandoned and lost tangle of ancient pre-imperium dungeons of Innsmouth. Will we find a trove of wonders, or is this our last broadcast? Maybe our doom is sealed and right around the next corner. Oh no, man, we lost. We lost. Did you guys hear that? (laughs) (laughs) Don't touch me. Don't touch me. Why are you touching me? What, What was that? What was that? I am your Vox Master for this excursion into the unknown, the ever-unhinged Plasma Guru Goblin King. Carrying enough firepower to put down a, any overeager four-armed emperors, or maybe the Brood Witch, if we end up coming across her down here, is our expedition's weapons expert, Beast. Hello, everyone. And ever in the know, and how we got this melt-a-hot tip is Kevin getting us in first and farther this time than any other team. Kev, how do you find these? What was that? That was nothing. The wind. The wind. Was it behind is it behind me? If we don't talk about it, it doesn't exist. Perfect. Right, so how do you find these fantastic tips? Well, you know, sometimes when you're in the bar, people talk too much and too loud. And uh, they talk about where they might want to go treasure hunting, except also when you drink too much and or drink so much that you talk too much and too loud. You don't wake up very early. So, you know, it's it's easy to beat them there. Got you. Got it's also you. really easy to beat them there when you shoot them in the head. <laughs> I, I well, was going to say, are you yeah, palming them obscura? But, uh, but, you know, either way. You know. <laughs> give, give, him an old, give him an old blast to the face. It's all <laughs> Blam. Blam. Uh, uh, bless. <laughs> bless. As we prep to jump into Gene Steeler cults over the next course of our next lore series, we wanted to take a quick breather to look at some of the concepts of what might be one of the most truly alien races in the Warhammer 40k setting. As we talked about not long ago when we covered the concepts of flora and fauna in creative writing, as humans, we have a tendency to look at what we know when we make up fantastical races. The classic D&D races like dwarves, elves, hobbits, gnomes, and giants are all very easy to compare when we look at our basic bipedal template. And honestly, even lizard folk, dragonborn, goblins, orcs, and the rarer races like the Tengu are basically still human templates. You just have slight additions. You know, lizard folk have scales, Tengu are covered in feathers. It's Kind of that Star Trek original series syndrome. You know, we need an alien race, paint an actress green, and then Captain Kirk can try to sleep with her for the entire episode. Hey, hey. Or Riker. It's a legitimate strategy. (laughs) Yeah. Your enemy doesn't want to fight if you just fuck them into submission. (laughs) Fact. I can say that about a lot of things in my life. Uh, In a lot of ways, it's a very helpful way of looking at everything, especially since as creative writers and as humans, generally we look at the fact that two legs, two arms, a head, and the frame that we have is, you know, it's a good place to start. 
you know? But as Kev mentioned in episodes past, a lot of the groundwork for 40K came out of role-playing systems that the early games workshop had developed for use in various existing fantasy worlds. And while now those races in 40K may have gone through quite a couple revisions and tweaks, not really ever being retconned, just explained more, their earliest introductions were pretty simplistic. Eldar were space elves, squats were space dwarves. Pretty much everything could be traced to a Tolkien-esque role-playing race pretty fast. Although you forgot that humans are humans. That's true, humans. <laughs> ah, shit. <laughs> the lingering effect of this, oddly enough, is that metahumans encountered by the Imperium in large enough po populations are still pretty much classified as just being the space equivalent of everything. Like the squats of Necromunda, Rattlings, and Ogren that are pretty much seen all over the 40k universe, not just Necromunda, can still have lots of connections and lines drawn to dwarfs, ogres, and hobbits. We don't really know enough about the Demiurg that the Tau interact with yet, or whether or not they actually are the Leagues of Otan, or the newly coming Leagues of Otan, to really kind of make a guess at where they're going as far as alien race development goes. So I thought, I thought they released that, that they were. Well, they're not Leagues of Votan, but they're the same. They are. They're yeah, the they're, same. They're the they same, are but like splintered. Or same whatever. ancestors. The Leagues of Votan left on a long time ago on like a exploration mining they're trip. They're like, yeah, their own like kind of crusade, right? Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they yeah, seem I to think be. The Demiurg are the offshoot. You think the Demiurg are the Demiurg are probably the ones that kind of stayed. I wouldn't sort be of like surprised. Exodus, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the squats of Necromunda are their own thing. The Demiurg yeah. that the Tau deal with are their own thing. And the League yeah. of Votan are their own thing. It'd be yeah, interesting. But they all share like common ancestry. Right. Like, that's what I think. I think the the squats in what you Necromunda mm -hmm. are actual squats. They're they're what right. we know as squats. The Leagues of Votan are their own thing. They're like a clone army or whatever. Demiurg are an offshoot. They're like the remnants of the squads that are still spacefaring. I like that. It'd be it'll be dope to see how it develops, and definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. I'm interested to see where they go. There's a lot of stuff with Tau that I like about auxiliaries and such. In fact, that's what we're going to talk about today. Is one of them. Oh yeah. So in opposition to everything I just brought up, are the Tyranids. They really are, in my opinion, and I think it's pretty easy to say the standout really alien of the playable 40k factions. While they have potential links oh, yeah. to the insects and orthropods that we know in modern science, they do stand out as completely alien when it comes to the sort of standard looks human enough that Captain Kirk will attempt to sleep with it definition that most of the other races that we mentioned kind of fit. I mean, Captain Kirk would try to sleep with an Eldar, right? I mean, I would. <laughs> a dark Eldar. A dark Eldar. Not a regular Eldar. Yeah, the, the Tyranids are the most extremely removed from bipedal humanoids that the 40k universe offers as a large playable faction. Right? Yeah, okay. Yes. Yes. I well, I would say one physically, mm -hmm. not not what we perceive to be alien, but physically, yes. 
as a playable faction, yes. That's right. that 100%. Not in the whole, like, world of 40K, but as no, a playable definitely faction. Sh- yeah, there's definitely weird yeah. oh, one-offs. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Is I was like, yeah, absolutely not in, like, the whole thing. But, yes, as a playable faction, 100%. Definitely. And, uh, I mean, if you take them away, and they're, they're cousins of Gene Steelery nature. Well, um, my... And my... then, like, what are you left with? The closest thing to Alien is then orcs yeah you know, with like squigs and stuff well right. i mean and even those I... are still bipedal and you know it's fairly standard it's the it, ta- it takes going all the way to tyranids for it to deviate from a two-legged base mm, yeah yeah i mean i guess that the the biggest connect or you know severance i have is that they're not a alien idea they're a hive mind they're right uh, yeah uh, you know what i mean like they they operate like what we know as ants you know they have a queen they have workers they have soldiers you know things like that that to me is not an alien idea right right it's it's still based in something terrestrial it's just think yeah that's what i was getting at uh as far as Playable factions, physically alien, all of that stuff, 100%, totally agree. As far as the idea of what they are, not alien. Yeah. Although, if you look at it from a certain perspective, you know, whether it's the invasive nature of gene stealer cults themselves, not to mention the most mature being essentially six armed xenomorphs, we'll get into the lower generations of gene stealers, which pretty much look human. Um, or, or as Tom just brought up, you know, at a certain point, you know, look at the 1950s films where everything that was out there was giant ants or giant spiders attack the town because you could just put the camera closer oh, yeah. to the insect and make it mm-hmm. look bigger. Mm-hmm. But the the whole idea of the alien race, even when you look at it as being a terrestrial hive mind, it's really alien as far as, you know, when you compare it to the way that our human minds work, we don't think that way. We, you know, humans, and when we write stories, and this is really easy to personify in the other factions of 40K, everything becomes the glory of that, of that quick, close quarter combat between my Archon and your chapter master or between my chaos legionnaire and a couple of guardsmen that are really just trying to hold that point. Everything comes that like glory, that moment of will they, won't they? The Tyranids don't think like that. The Tyranids aren't out for independent glory. There is no traditional sense of self. They're a hive mind. Even the synapse bioforms, which we'll talk about in the future they're ultimately just part of that hive mind. They're really just there to eat. <laughs> mm-hmm. And possibly... Actually, they don't even eat. Yeah. yeah None I, of the Tyranids eat. Right, they're right. not expected to live long enough to eat. They're some. They're created, birthed, or they're fight. gestated, birthed, <laughs> sent out to fight, and expected to either die or win yep. before and they would starve to death. And there are other bioforms that are released after they've taken a planet that start to collect and digest everything. And the way that they collect and digest yeah. that stuff is by throwing themselves into digestive pools. <laughs> so yeah, they're not even necessarily... Return my children. Yeah, exactly. 
and and that's probably like the last part to bring up before we jump into the meat of the episode itself is that Tyranids are really like nothing else encountered in the 40k version of the Milky Way material galaxy. Again, the exception being that there are things in the warp that are just as odd or even more odd in other ways. In general, we probably should have laid this out when we started the podcast itself, but when it comes to 40K, the one golden rule is things be how they be, except for warp fuckery, and then all bets yeah, are off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everything's how it is, unless you talk about the warp, then <laughs> unless, nothing unless is how warp. it is. Everything just gets fucked. Everything's how it is, unless it's ultramarines. Yeah. And, and, well, yeah. I mean, well, but ultramarines be how they be. Yeah, unless they're not. <laughs> and in fact, that that's something to bring up with the Tyranids. The Tyranids aren't even in the 40K universe, aren't even from the Milky Way galaxy. They're coming into it from the great void of unknown space. While most of the Milky Way is pretty divided up by all the races that we know and love, it's also full of a lot of small unknowns. And tonight we're going to focus on the unknowns both in the Milky Way galaxy and the unknowns of fringe space, the bleeding edge of the pioneered and cataloged space, at least in the eyes of the Imperium. Because as we bring up some of our examples, the Imperium doesn't think that this stuff exists, but obviously that fringe race that exists just outside of cataloged space, they've got their own interpretation. They view things through their eye. Places like the Ghoul Stars, Lucky Space, Halo Stars, the drift stars of the Jericho Reach and the Eastern Fringe, where the Tau come from. Places where a creative writer can go nuts designing our own kind of crazy alien concepts. And I personally think that Lucky Space is a fucking awesome concept. Uh, part of it is that I read, it, read about it recently because I'm rereading all the Dan Abnett stuff. But the whole idea that lucky space is called lucky space, not because you might get lucky and find something there, but you're lucky if you live past five minutes is fucking awesome. <laughs> you're yep. a rogue trader and you've been here for more than five minutes. Must be lucky. I've actually never really div- dived too deep into it. <clears throat> there's a, there's some cool stuff. I really like, you know, the, the, if you look at the map of the 40 K universe along the outside, there's all of these little, areas lucky space is one of them and they're just like the region of this the something nebula and it's but it turns out when you like look in they all have their own lore bits like the ghoul stars which are a terrible terrible place that even the tyranids were like yeah nah we could (laughs) we we don't we don't fuck (laughs) we don't fuck or the the halo stars are another area Um, yeah the drift stars honestly all of the reach i i realize that jericho reach has a lot of lore in it and there's a lot of yeah death watch specific stuff in it but the reason that jericho reach really exists is it's it well all the reaches pretty much if it's called a reach uh, the something reach in the 40k universe it's usually the last bastion of imperial control before fringe space Mm -hmm. yeah Jericho Reach is one of my favorite places. I've always been kind of obsessed with the stuff that happens at Jericho Reach. Um, oh, yeah. That's one of the reasons I love Rogue Traders, though. It's all oh, yeah. the same stuff. Because that's what they do. They just they go out. And that's the thing from a creative writing perspective, as Tom brought up just a couple of episodes ago. 
that's the sort of stuff that you can really play with if you want to create cool aliens. If you want to create cool, um, not flora, fauna. If you want to really get into like weird fauna, you start playing with areas that have no connection to any Imperial story yet. I mean, it's just as easy to pick a planet a couple of hundred light years away from Terra and say, oh yeah, this is something that's there. You can totally do that. It becomes a little bit more difficult when you try to like make an entire established kingdom or empire of aliens. And that's one of the reasons, you know, the Tau came out of the Eastern fringes and the Necron in a lot of ways are waking up in fringe areas, including the Eastern fringe is because that's just areas that like the, it, in where they're as, left. Yeah. And, as you brought up not a couple, not, not too long ago, the ultramarines don't really know what's there either. And now there's all of a sudden yeah. kind of on the fringe of their empire, this alien shit. Mm -hmm. So to kick us off on this grand experiment to get us ready, to get everybody kind of in the mood for Gene Steeler cults, we've each picked an alien from pop or science fiction culture and one from the Warhammer 40K universe itself that we wanted to talk about. And these are kind of the examples that stand out in our mind. So to, to kick us off, Beast, 40K alien first, or you want to do your outside universe alien first? Or do you want me uh, I'll to make do, I'll do, Kev go first? <laughs> I'll do, why don't we do, are we doing both? Like, like am I doing both or... No, nah, let's let's go. Let's, let's do, do one first. and then we'll circle back. Okay, cool. Yeah, so I'll do the 40k first then. Okay, cool. Uh, 40k first, uh absolutely my favorite alien race which is really really weird that I like it. Um and I'm not going with one of the play well, it's sort of playable. Uh it's not its own faction. I actually really dove deep into what the Vespids were. Okay. And the Vespids, oh, uh, it, yeah, right? The Vespids, if you don't know, are actually a mercenary, well, not mercenary faction, but they're a greater good faction brought in. Uh, it's an auxiliary for the Tau Empire. Right. Their story's kind of fucked. Like, <laughs> has a lot of shit with the Tau. Dude, dude, it's, it's, it's pretty fucked. Like, I feel bad for them. So the Vespid is basically a flying insectoid creature. Uh, it's got wings. It's got, uh, you know, obviously hands and feet, but it's straight up in, an insect. I don't know if um, I'm sure Ryan will bring up a picture at some point of what these things are. But basically, like, they are from a gas giant. Which, you know, they're not on, there is no surface to the gas giant, but in the upper atmosphere, there are floating land masses, you know, sort of, sort of like Pandora That's cool. uh, from Avatar. And so these big floating land masses are so big and they float. That's like one of that's actually one of my favorite pictures of them, by the way. It's a pretty it damn cool terror. picture. It look, it's howlingly scary. But yeah, so they, they live on these like boulders, essentially, these like floating mountains. And they there's a lot of talk about how they're actually been they were created by the old ones to fight Necrons, which makes sense because that's what the old ones did. They, they created yep. a bunch of fucking races to fight Necrons or Necrontier, I should say. But so, so they're these insectoid race. They have three sets of eyes. So they've got six eyeballs. Each one views 
while each each pair views in a different spectrum. So they view, they can actually see in infrared, they can see in thermal, and they can see or infrared, ultraviolet, and in somewhat of a regular complexity, you know. So I thought that was freaking sick. Like they just have straight up like like six eyeballs. They have two three pairs of eyes. And what they do is they they lived on these floating land masses and would burrow into them. And inside of these land masses are uh, diamond deposit, the crystal crystal deposits. And these they figured out, you know, the Vespids on their own figured out that these crystals uh, react to them on the frequency in which they move their wings, right? So the, their wings like micro vibrate and they resonate with these crystals and they use them as like a technology, like as lights, it's sort of like you would use like a computer, Okay. but they weren't able for space travel. So they're stuck on this gas giant, but that's the craziest thing, right? Is like, they're so perfectly tuned to where they are and they don't have space travel like they just happen to find these crystals that resonate to the frequencies of their wings and they had the diamond strength like claws to dig through the earth or these rocky land masses they live on you know so like it, it's all about the old ones like like they, there's so much talk about like how these things are just straight up created by the old ones because they're designed so like a they're basically weapon or whatever. Yeah, well, they're they're very very good at killing armored infantry. Oh, <laughs> that's crazy! That they yeah, that, like that's that what their ships like, look like. Uh, yeah. Later, after working with the Tau, yes, um, the Tau helped them develop space travel. But that was the whole thing, right? So, the, so like their whole thing is like they're basically modeled after like a wasp or a bee, and their wings technically aren't big enough for them to fly, but they do because they have like gas sacs inside of them. So they're able to fly in like any atmosphere, you know? Uh, and the shaking of their wings is what, how they, they, they're known to be like the most alien race. Like that's what they talk about them because like, they don't even view things right. Like they, like they viewed the towel when they first landed there as like inferior to them and they don't react in ways that like anything any life ever has like there's not necessarily like a survival instinct for them they Got just it. cooperatively operate you know and the whole like reason they joined the tau empire is basically because the tau were like oh you don't communicate like you don't speak you don't have a language. You make noise, you make smells, and you vibrate, like you shake things. <laughs> that's how they that's how they communicate. They communicate through like gesture and like posture and smell. That's smell like how is bees like do. Yeah, and smell yeah, smell is like a big thing on how they communicate. So the tower were like, cool, we're gonna make this mask that pumps pheromones into them. We're gonna stick it on like their leadership ones. And we're going to tell them what to do and like be like, hey, greater good, join. And effectively, that's what they did. Like the the strain leaders, I believe they're called, wear this mask, this like helm of control that allows them to communicate with the Tau. And basically it like pumps them full of like feel good pheromones that they're like, we love doing this. So they're like, 
they're super loyal. Like they, they okay. will do anything Tao tell them to do. And the Tao originally wanted them for these crystals because they were like, hey, we could use these crystals. But they were like, oh, they're useless to us because we can't we can't resonate their frequency like we can't. So they were like, okay, cool. Well, we'll help them build weapons to operate with these crystals. You know what I mean? So that's like how they helped the Vespid like grow into technology further. And they have these like neutron blasters, which are these guns utilizing these crystals. And they don't have like, they don't, it's weird how they operate. Like they, they basically vibrate their wings. The crystal gets ready and then they have a release and that's how they fire it. Oh, that's crazy. So like they're, yeah. they're storing the energy and then they're triggering it rather than like, yeah, shooting, like they essentially, yeah, like they, they, their, their wings up like flap, like, you know, they're almost like a hummingbird, but they also will just shake. And that's how they like charge the weapon because it resonates on like a frequency that they're in tune with. And so any crystal, that's how they operate their crystals. So like they use these crystals kind of like if you can imagine like Superman's lair, like, you know, he's just got like a shit ton of crystals everywhere. Right. Like right. it's like the same type of thing. That's what they use, you know, to like operate their shit. And like the funniest thing is like the, the ones that you see that are the models and the ones that fight are the small ones. The, the largest group of them are the females and the females are the only ones that can like dig down into the rock to find the crystals. Because they're they're so big. Because I guess like the pressure is crazy going deep into the rocks that they are like floating on this gas giant. Gotcha. So the females are the oh, only they, one who can there do we go. that. I knew like huge. Yes, I knew there was a picture of the rocks. I'm like, I know I've seen it before. Yeah. So that's basically like the the females are the only ones that can get the rocks, like the crystals, and the vespids, like the rest of them, are the are the like soldiers. Like those, are, they're smaller, but they're the ones that do all the fighting. Got you. So it's crazy, dude. Like diving into them, I was that like, "Holy crazy. shit!" There's a lot here. Like the fact that they don't talk, like they they have no like vocal recognition at all. They just like make weird guttural noises and clicks, and like vi they make noise. And the there was like the neutron guns that they use are just basically heat and radiation. <laughs> so like they melt armor and radiate you to death <laughs> like that's like like in an instant that's basically how these things work they like there was a um a space marine chapter that was talking about how they were being attacked by these things and they were like oh we were like set up and they're used as like jump troops like reconnaissance because they have so many different like visual spectrums they can see right um that basically like these space Marines were like, yeah, we were sitting there and then all of a sudden we heard this like droning buzz. And then the next thing we knew people were dropping like with radiation, like spilling out of them as they were melting inside of their suits. Like, and that the vehicles were just exploding because of the heat that was being transferred from their guns. That's terrifying. And the trees right. around them, like the round where they were, were dying. The trees were just instantly crumbling because of the radiation that these things were like shooting. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, their wings don't like necessarily let them fly, fly, but they let them like glide or like, like parachute. They, yeah. It more or less like guides them. Like it, they use it as like a, a steering mechanism. Cause the way that they fly is actually inside of them. Like it's a pressure thing inside of their bodies that allows them to like 
float essentially and the wings are how they like maneuver because so it's like the wings it's like are a not fresh... big enough okay the wings are not big enough to sustain flight and i mean it's all you know 40k mumbo jumbo they got that from bees they were like bees don't their wings don't have enough to make them fly and it's like okay this was when they were created you know what i mean right right but that was like their whole thing is like when they were being studied by the like what they know of like insects and stuff by like the what are they called the um mechanican magos like biologists yeah the magos magos biologists yep yes yes they were like we can't figure out the species like it doesn't make sense it shouldn't be able to fly why does it fly huh. that's cool though i like that i like the idea that it's more like like a bladder like um like mm-hmm. a submarine and it just it changes the pressure and then they can like kind of yeah. move up and move down in their own atmosphere and then they just use their wings to kind of move around but then because yeah. they do have wings if you drop them they should be able to like you know chicken fly at the very least they're not going to die well, like, from hitting the ground gravity gonna... gravity affects them differently because right. of their like chitin makeup like they're made up of chitin gravity affects them differently so they got it they're supposed to be like lightning fast like they're super quick at how they move like especially through the air um and just the fact that like the strain leader uh the one with the helmet is like addicted to wearing the helmet and they're like super cooperative like they cuz they're not a, they're not a uh they're not a hive mind which a lot of people think that they are but they're not actually a hive mind they just operate you know like ladybugs like ladybugs yeah. don't ever fight each other they just operate and like you know ladybugs have even been like seen like farming you know aphids for each other you know right and right. that's just they just work you know they work together you know what i mean like they don't they don't try to fight but they're hyper aggressive towards anything that isn't them so when the towel like first landed like they were just like oh what are you doesn't matter and they just started killing them <laughs> You know, yeah. so they basically captured them, tor- you know, tortured them, uh, experimented on them until they figured out how they worked. And then they were like, oh, OK, we could utilize this. They looked super cool when they came out. You know, mm. I always wanted to see more done with them. I wanted to see the, yeah. the either the plastic range or not the plastic. They were metal. Either see the range, the model range expanded or to see them developed a little bit more. So hopefully. Mm. I mean, you know, who knows with, with what's happening in the future, but I, I'd love to see that. I don't know how you are as far as that goes. Oh, yeah, 100%. I always, I liked them more than Crute, you know, when they, when I first started learning about them. They're supposed to be as, uh, like, combat effective as Crute, like, like, um, melee wise. They're actually supposed to be, like, pretty fearsome in melee. Like, their, their, their talons, like their their claws are yeah. supposed to be able to like rip through uh armor. And the fact that they like fly and they can like shriek, they can make noises and vibrate like their wings to where it like blows up like people's eardrums with these like frequencies, you know? Sort of like banshees, you know what I mean? Like they kind of operate like that. Right. I've always really wanted to like get my hands on some and use them. And I liked them more than crute because crute are mercenaries they're not they're like yeah greater good that's cool we'll help out tal they're great they help us with spaceships and technology that's dope that's cool but you know if they pay us we'll do that too the vestment only communicate with the tal they do not do anything else with anybody else that is they only 
do things with the towel. They're loyal to like a fault. So that's kind of why I like him is, is it's like, that's the auxiliary you can trust. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I think of like the towel, like propaganda. <laughs> you right. Know? Right. That's dope, dude. I like that a lot. Yeah. The, the crude are, the crude are weird. I, I'm not, I'm specifically not bringing them up, even though they are one of my favorite, like hands down. I figured races. you would. I figured you would. They're, they're strange. The more I learn, about digging into little crute things, the more the the crute we'll get it we'll get into it later. But to suffice to say, there's a lot of kernels in crute lore that are basically like the crute used to be a massive empire, and then they kind of chose to hide it all and to revert back to looking Devolve. a little bit more tribalistic, basically. Yeah. Well, that's that's the thing about the Tau auxiliaries is that. There's a lot to them that yeah. isn't talked about. Like, yeah. and that's like the biggest thing about these Vespid is, and what they keep bringing up and they keep talking about is how alien they are because they don't communicate. They don't like, there's no, like, I forgot how they worded it, but they were like, when you see something alien, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and what this whole episode about is how things are not humanoid like. Right. They're like, these things have two legs, but that's it. There's nothing about them that is anything like they've encountered in any type of world. You know what I mean? Like, the way that they behave and, like, you know, like, they're, they're, they're not interested in things that benefit them. They're not interested. They have no communication. They're not, um, they don't operate like a singular form, but they're not hive mind. You know what I mean? Like, like everything right. I've heard about these things is just how weird they are. And like, it makes a lot of like Tau uncomfortable and like people like the, the other auxiliaries that they fight with. Um, they're really uncomfortable around them. Cause they're like, yeah, these things are not like the Geonosians in star Wars. Right. They're kind right. of like a similar race type thing, but like Geonosians, like they, they had like a leader that they talked to and they were like people, you know, they'd walk around and that's not how these things operate. Like they, they don't, they don't behave like people. Like they're, they're, they're very dedicated to tasks. They're very like hyper aggressive when they fight, but that's like, there's no soul to them. You know, right. and that's like the whole thing about them. I dig it, man. I'm I'm super happy that you got this deep into Vespid. I think I learned more in this episode about Vespid than I need because like I, I know their stat line and I know how the they're kind mm -hmm. of used when you run them with Tau because I had some metal ones back in the day. So I probably still have them somewhere, but I I just I never necessarily got into their lore. I'd love to know more. I you know obviously as we as we get into tau at some point we'll probably get into all the auxiliary races but that, yeah. that's super dope man well and like what made me pick them was you know the past episodes like one i've always liked them and two you keep talking you keep bringing up gas giants when we talk about worlds and these things are from a gas giant yeah well, and, I, like, and i've was, always uh, you know i've always loved that this i this picture right here i've always loved this idea the idea that like, oh yeah oh, it's super land cool. yeah land masses can exist yeah floating islands yeah yeah and and like how are they connected and why they're connected it's just such a it's such a non-terrestrial concept it's just it's such yeah, exactly. a non-earth concept everything about these things is fucking alien that's what i like about them. nope all right so, kev what do, you, what do you got to hit us with i've 40K got race. a couple okay that's one cheating that, 
I, really, I couldn't choose between two that I find equally terrifying. One of them is the amble. Okay. The amble. You can talk about the yes. amble. It's not. It's not one of the ones I. Oh, think. that's that thing <laughs> I talked about the other day. Yeah. This this crazy looking thing. Yeah, the like bug thing. Yeah, I was just the robots. Yeah, they have things, robots of them. There's robots yep. that are that are these things as well. But these things are terrifying, and the fact that they're just like living underground, underneath hive cities, and they're just like, oh, sup? I'm gonna eat you and everybody you know, and then I'm gonna dig back into the ground and never be fucking seen again. Like, damn. <laughs> it's like this a bug and a werewolf put together. A shabuga, a shabuga wolf. They're one of those things that the Imperium found really useful for doing certain tasks. So, of course, they imported them to every world, being like, oh, these are easy to control. And then they found out, oh, and these, it, aren't, these, these are not easy. easy to control. And they live, they live a long time, and they actually, they're not as terrifying as they are. You'd think they would be solitary, but they don't. They, they travel in small family packs. That's which crazy. Is pretty gnarly for something like this, this brutal. And they're they're fairly armored and everything. Uh, they tunnel and all that stuff, as we just discussed. And the, yeah, they were the old they one. were imported because the Imperials thought they could be used to dig tunnels. Like, oh yeah, really? they brought them as like mining equipment, and then they were like, ah, fine, yeah. we'll just take their brain out and put it in a robot. Well, and that and that's yeah. exactly why the Amble robot exists is because yeah. the Imperium was like, all right, now now we got to replace it. That they always make me think. If you're if you're old school D and D enough, they always make me think of Umber Hulks. Yeah, I mean they essentially are Umber Hulks. the o- The only difference is Umber Hulks forearms are so big is because they shove them, they stuff them full of gold. So when they hit, they hit harder. <laughs> Which is why killing an Umber Hulk in D and D is good because you get a bunch of money. <laughs> oh yeah, I love, I love the old they're, model. They're, it says so they're extremely cool. hardy and long lived social creatures. Close-knit family units with several adults tending to broods of four to seven offspring. And these are the these are the offspring, right, Kev? These little things. Yeah, I think that's what they start out oh, as like when they're, they're larvae or whatever. They, they grow. Yeah. Yeah. Another. It's another insect insectoid. Yeah. And for some reason, I forgot that it only had two legs, but because they use their front arms as kind of like gorilla legs, they don't. Yeah, they don't you know come what, off as bipedal exactly. You know what they remind me of? Did you ever see Hellboy? Like the first one? Yeah. yeah. Remember that like dog thing, the hound that he was yeah, fighting? The first the, thing the that Cthulhu he fights. The hound thing? Yeah. yeah. That's, it reminds me of that. Like kind it's of. all like arms and stance and stuff. Yeah. Dude, the model is sick. The oh. model is dope. Oh, and like yeah, how man. it's got the little babies like crawling off crawling the back of it. over it. Yeah, that's yeah. gross. Super gross. It's like a but they, insectoid. Uh, like they don't die to pollution and all that kind of stuff either. It, so like this thing. they're just yeah. Oh, it's super similar. Yeah, yeah. It says that any environment is less hostile than their native one. But I'm I'm yeah. pretty <laughs> sure they're from Luther McIntyre Nine or whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> yeah, the other one is oh, they're from an ice world, Sima Orculus. Oh, they're That's not. They they're were, not they from were, Luther. Whatever. Whatever. No, it says that they were sighted on Ice World, Simia Orcalis Orcalake, the Valhalla Ice Warriors Regiment spotted them. Oh wow! But okay, so I've I've got the name wrong on it, but it's the uh the big brain controller floaty monsters from Thirty K. 
Oh, Zelanthropes? No. No, not the Tyranid. Enslavers. Was, uh, Enslaver. I was like, it's an overlord, but I know that's not the right name. Uh, yeah, Enslavers. Those things are crazy. Enslavers are fucking cool. And they totally yeah. hit that they totally hit that other rule that we brought up at the beginning. Everything is how it be except when warp fuckery, because enslavers are technically a warp creature. Oh, are they right. really? They're not yeah. exactly a, they're not like a warp demon that can like come in and out of the warp. They're like the product of the warp. Yeah, they're like a general. warp denizen. They're like an alien from the warp. It's like they live in the webway kind of nonsense. Yeah. Weird. And they 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 are, yeah. there is an entire war called the War of the Enslavers. I think in yeah. the Age of Strife, or right, right, like, like, it, no, it may even be. It earlier. was like in com combination with all the other bullshit. It was there was the War of the Enslavers, where basically the Enslavers came out of the birth of Sledesh or something like that, and uh, they, they took over. Basically, a bunch started of taking people. over the minds of people, and once that happens, they're you're fucked. Dude, they wow, they're they're interdimensional yeah. beings. They have the ability to transcend normal space, allowing them to easily traverse the galaxy and perhaps beyond. Yeah, they're That's fucking crazy. Nuts. And they have like they have all that they check all the boxes for terrifying horror creature. Oh yeah. It's yeah. Oh it's my not God. exactly like just a monster. Dude, look oh. at this kid bash I just found. Yeah. That is so cool. <laughs> yeah, dude, they're gnarly. Enslavers are totally. Oh, that's cool. Uh, heretic guard with enslavers. Look at that. Enslaver yeah, kill I've team. Seen that. That's dope. That's dope. Yeah. That's pretty rad. Uh, I never, I had cool. never heard of them. Really? Yeah, I've never heard oh, of wow. them before. Enslavers. Yeah, uh, I, I don't. Definitely... I don't dabble. I, I don't dabble in the warp, yo. <laughs> like I don't. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't play with that. Like <laughs> they're like, oh, the warp. I'm like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> like. Enslavers are definitely on the like. I want a deeper dive into them at some point. I mean, I I feel like all of these that we bring up, we could totally deeper dive, and we probably will deeper dive on at some point. Yeah, um, there's a there's something. It's smaller, and the 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 not the Dothraki. That's the 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 Drukai, the Durakai, Durakai. How do you say Dark Drukhi. Eldar? Drukari. 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 The Drakari yeah. have something they use called like a Medusa, which is like a, a smaller version, like a tailored yeah. version of the Enslaver. Yeah, it's like their custom bred version of it, and it's uh mm. it's smaller and they can basically put it on people to make them do what they want. Oh, that's sick. And that yeah. thing specifically lives in the webway. Oh, I've seen those. Those I have seen. Yeah, that's they're, nasty. they're they're nasty. Yeah, the Enslavers are pretty neat. I there's I know there's a bit of lore. I know they're an early galaxy, just like the Vespid, probably since the Vespid have the tie into the old ones. I know they're an early yeah, galaxy I'm, thing. I'm, I'm yeah, these are the enslavers the enslavers are from the war in heaven. Okay. That's where they trace back to. Yeah, that, I love up. I love this picture. This picture is dope. Enslavers, and you can see all the guardsmen or former guardsmen underneath. That's like invasion of the body snatchers. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. totally. So the first thing they do is go after a psyker and then use that psyker to open a portal to bring more enslavers. Yeah, that makes well, sense. That, what I what I just read is that they the way they transport through the warp is through the vibrations of other beings' psyches. Yeah. So like basically they follow people's dreams. That's <laughs> Dude, dream stealers. Mm -hmm. Dream stealers, that's <laughs> sick. 
And they love to eat Eldar. Oh, yeah. Anything that resonates high, harder is going to be more... Man, I really like. I, I'm seeing all these kit bashes for enslavers, and I'm like, why do I want to make a bunch of enslavers now? Oh, that would be so cool to make an enslaver based anything, right? Army. I mean, it'd be easy. You could literally pick yeah, any you could army. Literally you want. take any army and just hodgepodge the shit out of them. So you have like some tyranids. You've got like oh. some guardsmen. You got some orcs. You got some Dude. space marines. Just a whole. Mesh. That would actually really... be a pretty cool game we could play. Yeah. Man, that's so cool. That was an awesome pick, Kev. Yeah. I was like, Ambles are the one that everybody's gonna know. And like comes off as like your classic monster movie, like kind of shenanigan. Ambles have been around for a long well, and enslavers actually. Both the races you brought up have been around for a long time. I, I wanna say both are mentioned in Rogue Trader. I know for a fact yeah. Ambles Both are, are incredibly I'm not I think the, sure about enslavers. I think the enslavers are I mean they're old old so Yeah they they're at least close. second edition if they're not in Rogue Trader. And yeah. I'm and you know I'm not 100% positive on the primary planet of Ambles but I know for a fact that Ambles are one of the things that it's talked about in the Luther McIntyre nine or whatever which is the the planet that all of rogue trader takes place on yeah or or the setting that they suggest you use but I, so ambles grocks and there, there's a couple of other like animals that are now synonymous across the entire imperium and it's literally because the imperium imported them to other planets and they're invasive yeah they just fucking they, wreck they figured face. out <laughs> Well, I mean, and Grox is basically like a combination cow pig. They're yeah, they're they're weirdly and they're they're super like meat wise cow pig, but they're they're actually really dangerous. Yeah, yeah. But I mean like they, they farm them as a substitute for both cow and pig. Right. Because you get they farm them for also the leather and other stuff. Yeah, here's here's what Man, a Grox those are here's an old 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 Grox art. I didn't think they'd be quite so Alligatory, yeah, they're, they'd they're be more name, like woolly rhino. Like grok? Yeah, exactly. Well, no, like I always just figured they called them groks, but that they were more like woolly rhinoceros than they were, uh, you know. Yeah, that's that's Shining just that's a lizard. more modern groks. That Maybe. looks so much like a like chaos warhound, though. A little bit. You see what Gro I'm saying? Yeah, groks are definitely groks are definitely something that I want to that we we should dive on at some point. That's crazy that they just like farm these things for meat, but they're like stupid dangerous. Yeah. Well, they taste really good. And I think the thing with the groks is that if you breed them specifically, they become more docile. They're only like okay. super beastial and dangerous. They get left alone. Yeah. But I okay. think the whole idea is like they're as dangerous as like a, a, a raging bull. You know, you don't, you don't want to tangle with the bull either. Oh, yeah. You get the no, horn. Really not. <laughs> Yeah, mess with the bull, you get the horns. I went with the Rack Goal. So the Rack Goal are a vicious Xenos yeah. Marauder, and they're a relatively new threat within the Kornos Expanse of the Halo Stars. So they're exactly one of those areas that we're talking about. So that's that's just adjacent to the Calixis sector. They were encountered first around some dim stars past the analic depths and they're little more little more than a standard century ago now this is lore 
introduced towards the end of seventh, uh, not towards the end. I think towards the end of sixth. So we're talking like the eight hundreds of M four one. So at this point, the Groks have probably been around for a little bit longer, but at the time they were fairly new or not the Groks, the Rakul were fairly new. Uh, they are pretty nasty looking. Rakul are another one of my favorites that I was thinking about using, but I figured somebody might want them, so I left them out for you guys. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're the ones one I I've not, not heard of. Really? Oh, yeah, these things are terrifying. Yeah, the, these things these things are pretty terrifying. So they are... Oh, they yeah, I remember you talking about these before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, we've brought them up before a few times, but they're like a 30k nasty baddie. Yeah, yeah. So they remind me of the things from fucking Maze Runner a little bit. Oh yeah, that's a good that's a good analogy. Right? Yeah. So they're chalky yeah. white in color, and they've got a mantis like body as far as arrangement. So they've got you know they've got four legs and then two sets of arms. The more they fight, the older they get. The more they hunt, essentially, the more they replace different body parts with augmentics. So in this in the picture that I brought up. You know, he's got he's got a chain sword. That's not because he had a limb cut off in battle. That's because he was rewarded with the ability to willingly replace a body part. Um, they've got a very the things that I think are really cool about them, other than the fact that they've got a very non-standard body construction. Their culture is very similar to that of the predator. The um the Yanti is, I believe, what the predators are actually called. Yautja. Gotcha. Okay. They've got a very similar culture. So when a rock ghoul hits adolescence, they go out into the universe to hunt. And the more they hunt, the more they kill, the more they murder, the more they're rewarded with essentially replacing parts of their body with like different weapons why, to basically is, go ahead. Why is this not more in 40 K? I don't right? hear anything about why is this not more? This is sick. They should be their own thing. They should be their own race. There's yeah. actually a it bunch be their of people own playable that want race. the Rat Goal to be the next Xenos playable race. Like, yeah, there's I'm, even people I'm one who of think it people. should have been over squats. I'm one of those. Well, I don't know over squats, but I definitely have been pushing for, for either Kroot or Rat Ghoul to get their own yeah. moment in the spotlight for a while. Uh, so the Rat Ghoul... Oh, like, that's a good picture. Like, a bunch of Imperials being hunted by one. Oh, yeah. They like to hunt people, or they, they like to hunt. And people put up a challenge. The other things that are really interesting about them is all of their planets are irradiated wastelands. So nobody really knows why, but they seem to, like, create irradiated wastelands to live in. And obviously this makes them relatively difficult for the Imperium to encounter, because when the Imperium does encounter them, like, you can't land on and deal with that planet. That planet's it's a hellstorm. You know, you go down there, you're going to die. The planets that they terraform, they terraform specifically by bombarding and irradiating the shit out of them. Their planets are best, <laughs> mostly avoided by the Imperium. The other thing that's really interesting is the way that their spaceships look. They're pretty yeah. fucking big, but their ships are almost universally designed around a weapon. Like, the entire ship is surrounding a giant gun. They're They're... Just nasty. What are you gonna say? They look like. I was gonna say they kind of like they look like if Tyranids had to build with plates and beams. Yeah, in a lot of ways. Like it's like it's an organic design built with 
modern or not modern, but like conventional engineering. Right. So as I mentioned, they were encountered first, probably in the 700s or 800s. They were encountered by rogue trader um, who, who tried to run. Uh, they ended up at some point, the Mechanicus found an abandoned void ship and they were able to get inside and kind of look around. So it, it just, the, the first ship that was encountered that had been hit by them was the Solus. Uh, the soulless, not the soulless, but the soulless is in uh, star. When they found the ship floating, they came in and the entire crew had just been fucking slaughtered. They had no idea by what, because there were no bodies left behind. And that's not because of a cultural thing. That's because the rock ghoul didn't lose. The reason that the Mechanicus knows what the Rat Ghoul look like, the reason that the Bios Mechanicus and that the the biologist uh, biologists know what they look like, the reason that they, we have Xeno, but the Imperium has Xeno biology information about them, is the Rat Ghoul don't because so much of their culture is based on like slaughter and killing. They don't develop a lot of their own technology. Most of their technology is salvaged and stolen from other races. And they don't really care if you die. If you die, you were dumb enough to die. And they'll just leave your body behind. So, like, a lot of times when they find these guys, they've got, you know, if they've got a chainsword, it looks pretty much like an Imperium chainsword. It might be remade with Rot Ghoul technology like a rock ghoul may have remade it in the image of a chainsword but it's pretty much it's a chainsword you know when they are found with meltas or beamers or las cannons or whatever it's not some crazy xenos tech like you might encounter with the tau or with the eldar it's pretty much whatever the rock ghoul have been able to reverse engineer and rebuild or that they've outright stolen so they're they're very to me they're a they're an essential boogeyman you know kind of like Tom, your your immediate reaction to them. And they're just, they're so fucking cool that they feel like they should be a Grey Knight level or a Custodes level army where you're not going to have a lot of the models. You're going to have a smaller be, model count, yeah. but they're going to just, they're going to fucking, you know, they each of them soaks four wounds or whatever fucking crazy transhuman shit. They're all like Terminators or Tyrion Warriors all buffed up like level. Hmm. Yeah. They're they're cool. I really like them. I'd I'd love to kitbash an entire army of them. The problem is the closest model to like starting as a base is the Fiends of Slanish, which are pretty similar in look. Uh, and it and it's just weird to figure out like what rules to use because do you run them as custodes? You know, you you kit bash an army of rock ghoul and then you use custodes rules or or how would you do it? Yeah, they they are definitely but that neat. probably would work though. Custodes would probably work because they're big enough to be roughly the right size. And they're... here's one of them from the um. Yeah, this is I like this one because he's got a gun, a, like a small gun, a mini gun, and his battle axe. Yeah, he's he's got a. Big ass axe and auto cannon, and then some like weird injector. Hmm. Yeah, it's so weird. I never, I would have never thought. I've never heard about them until you guys talked about them. And like when we're when we were talking about like picking monsters for like you know this, I always imagine it like how would an how would a monster movie featuring one of these monsters go? And I would just 
imagining like a Ragdoll monster movie, knowing that they take the stuff from, you know, what they get, they loot the technology and everything. Could you imagine it's just like normal people and they're it one comes in and it starts yeah, like out with it rips nothing, the first right? dude it starts in out half. basically just like a brand new it rips the first dude in half right like barehanded because it doesn't have any weapons yet and throughout the movie it's getting the weapons yeah, like that they try little. to use against it and it defeat you know and it circumnavigates the weapon and ends up getting it for itself and turning it back on the people Oh man, that would make such a good monster movie, and that's that's how these things. Would, and then, like that, the really end well scene is, it, you know, whoever your final survivor or whatever it gets away some super clever way, but not in a way that kills it. And then, since it won, since it hunted and murdered a bunch of stuff, the last sequence, yeah, yeah the post is it getting yeah the post the post like credit sequence more. is is another rat ghoul like chainsawing its arm off to put something else in its place <laughs> fucking blood and viscera right. everywhere oh man that would be so good fucking they're, they're nasty <laughs> i i'd i'd absolutely if yeah. i could figure out how to kit bash an entire army of these things i would try oh yeah tom since you started us off with our 40k race are you ready to jump into your non 40k uh, I do want to do like an honorable mention of non forty k uh, aliens. Okay. Okay. Ghidorah from Godzilla, the three headed dragon. Oh, yeah. Technically, yeah. Technically, that's an alien. Oh yeah, the meme picture that everybody has, like my oh, personalities. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But like, I think that's a pretty, you know, that's it's a dragon, but it's an alien. You know, so right. like it ties into you know the past and and a big chunk of it people just think that it's like oh no this is just an ancient being and then you come to find out like oh wait no it's a fucking alien yeah it and, yeah, and doesn't he uh, end up being like a supreme like alien yeah. or something yeah basically it, it like the whole godzilla thing that the new stuff that they've come out with is like they're alpha predators and Ghidorah is a so, such like the crazy big alpha that everybody just become subservient to them. But I, I thought it was just a cool idea to have something like that, that, you know, you think is just like a dragon or like some ancient being. And it's like, Oh no, it's an alien. And you're like, wait, what? Like, yeah, <laughs> you cool. know, he's dope. Making looking a too. Dragon, yeah. Yeah. Making a dragon, like an alien, like, you know, imagine that thing, like flying through space, you know what I mean? Like, right. just, I don't know. It's so out there. Like, that's so crazy to me, like weird that it, I like it. Um, but yeah, so so that's my my first honorable mention. The the real one that I'm going with is actually the Borg from Star Trek. I think there's some loopholes just like there is in anything, you know, like saying that like, oh yeah, like the Borg weren't really interested in humans, but they were, but they weren't, like their first interactions. And it's like, they, some people are like, oh, they never assimilated humans until Picard did something. And it's like, no, because there were humans on board. But basically what they are is that they are like the sci-fi boogeyman of a assimilation race. So they are super technologically advanced like living machines, sort of like if you could imagine Necrons, but Necrons took over people and turned them into them, is kind of what the Borg are like. They adapt to technology. They are are a hive. They're well, they're not even really a hive mind. They're a singular mind. 
Yeah, they're, they're all they're, one, right? Like it's all one yeah, big they're, computer or something. It's, yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's a hive mind, but it's at the same time each drone is semi-autonomous and they consult with each other in real time. The queen is the only one who really has independent thought, but even then the queen isn't even like always omnipresent. And this this is the queen, like that. right? That's the queen. Yeah, well, and the thing about the queen is that the queen is actually just an avatar. It's not. Okay. Right. The queen the queen is like temporary yeah, construct like, needed when they felt they needed yeah, a queen the, for diplomacy because the whole thing about the borg is that they're one you know they're one being they they consider themselves one being yeah they consider all borg to be the same being but each mind is still a different mind so like when the borg are thinking they think as a collective they think as a collective not as a not as a hive. And that's yeah that's like the whole thing is that they're not a hive mind they're a collective mind but they're like one, yeah. you know, like, but the cool thing about them is that they're just like Star Trek is this scene as this like super, you know, PG series where, you know, oh, yes, like they, people are the world is good and we don't believe in money and we go out into space and want to travel and the Borg are like. Yeah, we do the same thing, but you know, instead of you dealing with like diplomacy and all that bullshit, we just take we just stuff. take whatever. Yeah, exactly. That's what I like about them so much. Is there? Is a lot of people have talked about it that they're like the inverse, but they're really just like the revved up version of the same thing. You know, Starfleet human humans in Starfleet have become you know, lazy and bored. You know, they don't do war anymore. Like they believe in in peaceful expanse. And the Borg kind of do the same thing, but they do it by force, you know, and (laughs) everything is to, (laughs) yeah, well, like everything is to better the collective, like you, everything is to feed the collective, you know, when they separate the beings from like the individuals, like the humans that basically are half machine, you know, half human. When they separate them from the collective, they die because they can't function without it, you know? And there's been, like, several cases where they've brought people back from the collective, but it's like, but, you know, Star Trek First Contact is all about the fight with the Borg, and it is a real and scary fucking thing. Like, it is scary how they're how the Borg are, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, like, that's the first time you're like, damn, I never seen, like, the main characters in a show, like, Star Trek lose this hard. They, yeah, yeah, like, they look like even you know even some of the sillier pictures that I'm finding and bringing up like some of the ones that you can tell are definitely from earlier. You know, mm. this is obviously like Voyager, but some of them that I yeah. found are, are from earlier stuff. But some of them, like even, even the yeah. art, even it, yeah, they look because they're not dead. all humans. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, they also look like zombies, though. Like they, they, their flesh bits are dead. O- obviously, seven of nine or whatever is the hot one but yeah, like yeah. this is you well, know yeah lo- looking but. at the design of these three right here this this first dude totally looks like a zombie the second dude totally looks like a zombie <laughs> like they're they're yeah, creepy well, she's... well and i mean spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen voyager but seven of nine looked so if you go back like three or four that one with the with the eye pokey that you said the past picture uh, this one that one that one. that's, that's, that's seven of nine Really? That's the yeah. same one. Yeah. That's her. They un they unboard her. Holy shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but that's yeah. what yeah, exactly. So there's only a couple 
of people they do that to. Picard becomes Picard, a Borg. Seven, and then I think there's one other one. There's the first one of the first ones they encountered. They separated him, yeah. but then he died. He died um, shortly after. Yeah. 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 But yeah, that was that was Picard as as Locutus, which was Locutus. like meant to be like the I team. am Locutus, yeah. the Borg. Locutus. There, there are four lights. Yeah. <laughs> that, well, that's, that's all like, I dude, remember this, the, is there are four lights. The scariest thing is like when they communicate. Like, you know, they're they're fully autonomous. Like they're just like they're like, We are the Borg, prepare to be assimilated. Resistance is futile. You know, right. and you're just like, yeah, Ooh. like you know, they're yeah. super. And it's cold. crazy because there's nothing anybody can do about it. They, yeah, and, and the and way the, they and... say it is, it's it, they know that there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, Pre- the you know, prepare to be assimilated. Resistance is futile. Yeah, that's the end of the conversation. They like, adapt. It's just over and done with. Like, there's no with, like. You yeah. hit them with a gun, and then the next shot, they've adapted. They have a shield for it. Um, yeah, adapt wow. shielding. They, yeah, yeah. So if you hit them with a phaser. And if you don't change that phaser's wavelength, the next shot, or sometimes it takes two or three for them to fully adapt, but after a few shots, it's basically they've adapted to whatever wavelength you're firing yeah. at them. So yeah. did they start as a machine? Did so is the it whole like thing, an AI? So the whole thing about the Borg, I just like read about them and like did a whole thing before doing the podcast. <clears throat> the whole thing about the Borg is that nobody really knows what they started as. Okay. But they, at some point, a race got to a level of, and it's, I mean, it's a humanoid race because everything in Star Trek is humanoid. Right. It got to a level where their artificial, like, uh, dependency became so high that eventually it's our, it's our biggest fear of like AI. Like AI taking over humanity. We're so AI. dependent on the machine yeah. to do our work for us. Sort yeah. Of thing. And instead of, instead of the machines just killing us off, the machines absorb us into them and we become a race is basically what it is. And like a so, hybrid race. Yeah. And so at some point this occurred uh, and this is like far beyond any galaxy in Star Trek space. Like, it it at for them at maximum warp when like basically a race called Q, the Q, uh, shot them into Borg space. Mm-hmm. They were two years away from the closest like recognizable system, and at maximum warp that's like you know ten times the speed of light. Like they were two years away, so they were what two hundred. Two million light years or some shit, like whatever the fuck it right. was, <laughs> like, like that's just how far they were from their space. And there was talk of them like coming in contact with the human races and like the Romulans and the you know other races of Star Trek, and they weren't really interested. They were more interested in technology because they were you know gradually going away from you know these things human human so, bodies essentially well like yeah the bodies, bodies right so so if you can imagine right basically they it's like the necron the necron got rid of their physical bodies altogether so right. these guys were in the process of doing that the borg were in the process of getting rid of their physical dependency of to their bodies and then they found the human race and were like oh no 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 we can make this work more and so then they started to absorb the human race. And that's what like the big Star Trek like wars have been between them and the Borg is that the Borg found the human bodies to be very, you know, useful. Okay. So they started to, you know, 
uh, assimilate, they call it. They started to assimilate humans more and went further and deeper into them, you know, for their technology and for, for them. Because when they take over a Borg or take over a person, they assimilate their, their memories, their knowledge and everything. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that the it's, queen, it's not just that they eat their technology and then consume the body to become a hive mind. It's the whole like little spiel is your cultural and technological distinctiveness will be added to our own, to the collective. Yeah. It's okay. literally an assimilation and yeah. an absorption. It's not an imperialistic, overriding of whatever it's it's literally taking what the borg finds best about a race and keeping it right gotcha. and so the queen okay the queen was created they call her the queen she's not it, her real name isn't like the queen right right she she's an avatar of the collective mind hence why she has so much more like free will like she operates more like a normal person and that's because uh they needed a person to be the like communicate communicative. Being. They need somebody to interface with other races. Ex yes, to become a proper interface for other races. So the this queen, is such a creepy basically, with the, like, yeah. Well, that's all she uh, is. The body is a oh yeah, is it's all super mechanical. Creepy. But yeah, so that's like her thing. Okay, so so she's she her organic parts I was are just built wondering... to look human. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And what's crazy is 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 the Borg didn't feel the need to have this yeah. until they started interacting with humans. Exactly. And some and it can be argued that by assimilating large numbers of humans, the Borg actually became more individualistic. Okay. Yeah. Because the yeah. races that they had th Yeah. And that's actually one of the things that comes up later on in the series is They're that by adding so many more free will people of humanity, it actually changes the Borg. Oh, they that's, become that's so they became slightly less uniform in like thought. Yeah. Well, because they're not, yeah, they're not dedicated to, they're dedicated to being the very okay. best of the very best, the epitome of, of everything, right? Of knowledge, of survival, of everything. So they're not dedicated to one way of existence. like. They they will do whatever so, it is. So they found you know, like something in humans be that was where better got, than whatever they were you know, operating it's, with. It's almost like when yeah, it worked better for right. their survival. And in the yeah, and I think it's also just the human adaptability. Yes, like it's covered yeah. in Star Trek that humans are super adaptable to almost any environment you put them, and they have enough intelligence to kind of help them do Busy. it. Whereas the other races are better at certain things, but don't have the like all round advantages that humans have. That's cool, yeah. man. I, I, I learned way more about the Borg in yeah. 20 I, minutes from you than I learned from watching a scattering of I think episodes. It's, yeah. I, my, my, dad I think it's really cool always... that we all picked such drastically different things. Right. And we yeah. all learned something new. Yeah. About yeah. different yeah. races. That's cool. My, my Good job was guys. Always, um, my dad was always a really big fan of, of Star Trek and the Borg. And that's what got me into sci-fi was that. So the Borg have like a very, like, I love the Borg. Like, I think they're the coolest freaking characters, you know? And like, just the way, just the way that they are, dude, I love them. And like in every movie, you know, when they're like, we are the Borg prepared to be assimilated and you're just like <laughs> right <"Ooh."> like <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah you're like ooh, well, assimilate it, me daddy and it's also <laughs> yeah. it's also such a like, final <laughs> statement like you can't it doesn't matter how far like, like the, the way that you know obviously 
it in in science fiction the resistance is futile thing is a joke like it, it is parodied so far but the way that you introduced it and the way that you described oh, yeah, it yeah. is is that, i don't know if you guys ever saw the horror movie it follows but the whole concept of the movie is if you it, it uh, it's a horror movie that's essentially an std so if you sleep with somebody who's haunted by the entity it oh, just oh yeah it follows you it and it follows. doesn't run it doesn't do it yeah. it slowly walks towards you until it catches you and then it kills you but like that like, that's the way that you just described the board it, borg it's not that yeah the resistance yeah. is futile thing isn't a tongue in cheek joke in this case because they're going to eventually get there and they're and they don't care they don't care how long it takes yeah yeah, yeah. They're Michael Myersing to like, towards they, they're just like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. definitely. And also, like when they when they do that, it's not that they show up on a planet and declare this to the whole planet. No, I mean it, at one right. point that is an option for them, but it's generally they've found a single ship by itself on the fringes of space. Because yeah. the Borg knew that if they, when they were smaller in number, if they attracted the attention of a large galactic power, the, well, it could they... end them. Like, yeah, they, they can adapt to everything, but if, if a concentrated thing came after them, it could, you know, be a problem. Yeah. Their so ships they just... are dope, too. Oh, yeah, the is Borg it... cube is such a yeah. crazy Is it one spaceship, spaceship, or are there many? Okay. There's there, many of well, them. Well, that right there right. is one. But, Okay. But that That's, is one. Okay, but yeah, there isn't one of, one of but them. But there is That's what they... many of. No, no, there's. But thousands. they typically only travel in single cube crazy. units. Yeah, because that's okay. that's all that's needed. Yeah, like nothing can fight a cube. It's bigger than a. It's bigger than the Enterprise substantially. Yeah, a lot bigger. And when it when it finds like one of the like I was saying a ship by itself on the frontier. It just locks them in a tractor beam, and it's like, all right, you're going to oh, be assimilated now, and there's fuck. nothing you can is do that about really it. how big it is? Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. That's that's it takes the entire like to fight in first contact the movie spoiler, but it takes almost the entire Starfleet Federation to Navy to, Federation to fight one. To fight one that's a super star destroyer, yeah. <laughs> and then the, and then what? Yeah. yeah, it's dumb. Like. Borg cubes are one of the few things in sci-fi that might put up a resistance in 40k. Yeah. Yeah. They that's why I like them so much is I'm like damn dude like they could exist in 40k. Like they could absolutely. They, that's kind of how I view the um the Admech. You know, if the mm -hmm. Admech were a lot more like autonomous and more hive brainy like collective, they I mean, would yeah. be With, very similar if, to the Borg. If the new sphere took over the admech like if the new sphere became kind of you know infective in a way mm -hmm. and infected all of the admech and they couldn't turn it off that would be fairly born like yeah but yeah that's my that's, that's crazy. my out of they have spheres too the spheres are more okay, like they're lifeboats. smaller the spheres operate that they, they're inside of the cubes and if the cube is getting destroyed because also the cube can self-heal itself it can self-repair yeah the board cubes um they can self repair quite heavily, but it does yeah. slowly kind of like necro. That's cool, man. They do. Yeah. They sound very yeah. like if you were to if you were to <laughs> if you were to have necrons, uh, not necrons. If you were to have admech get their way and, and they Ad actually Mech. started checking out necrons a little too closely. Well, they remind they were mm -hmm. 
they were yeah they remind me of a cross between admech and necrons that's cool it's dope i I, i'm yeah i'm glad you brought them up all right kev what's your who's your non 40k race so my non 40k race um monster creature nasty boogeyman thing (laughs) the thing Ooh, I love that movie so much. Even the prequel is pretty good. Don't know why it brought up oh, the yeah. thing about Pam. I don't know what the fuck that is. <laughs> the thing about Pam. Well, she's well, obviously a gene stealer. Right? That's the thing you about know, Pam. So you know the thing? <laughs> there are actually like several movies that copy this oh, like yeah. monster style, but this is the only alien. Yeah. And... Oh man, this movie crosses so many horror checkboxes. It's so good. Oh yeah, like just that picture you've got it on right now just yeah. gives me. Oh yeah, gives Dude, me it's such a wicked yeah. scene. Like ugh, ugh. Oh man. Oh yeah. Watch well, just, just all the body parts running away. And what's crazy is it's not exactly one monster. It's like a species of monster. Well, each. So the whole thing about the thing is like, <laughs> the thing about the thing is that. Um, every molecule is its own organism. It has its own mind. So like the, basically, so like to the people, I don't know, Kevin, if you want to explain it, but like what the thing is, is a movie. So obviously, so the movie in the movie, well, we'll go with the original movie just for continuity's sake and making sure everybody knows where to start. The movie starts with a dog running across the ice in the top left you got it right there oh yeah so try not to depend too much on the pictures because i realize yeah. we're doing that a lot in this well I, yeah that's true uh, it's uh, true yeah so if you're listening go. you're not gonna see dog pictures. dog running across a snow field so yeah as as he has just pulled up it's a husky running across a snow field being chased by a low flying helicopter and it's in antarctica that's the, like your premise for the movie and you're like oh okay that's crazy and then when it you know when the little part of the plot finally kicks off the helicopter is landing this dude runs out with a gun and starts pointing it at the people where the dog ran up to and he's yelling in norwegian and nobody can understand and so you're just already it's like oh that's crazy what the fuck is wrong with this guy so they blast his ass because he's obviously crazy right waving a rifle around (laughs) like an idiot and uh you know don't muzzle flag your friends that's just part of (laughs) that's what you do But he definitely pointed his gun at people who had more guns than he did. Yep. And he lost that fight. Found out the hard way. And uh, shortly after that, they find out that uh, the reason he was very angry about the dog is uh, there's something wrong with the dog. <laughs> Turns out the dog is definitely pretending yep. to be a dog. And <laughs> is actually dog. the thing. Dun, 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 insert most creative name, The Thing. And uh, The Thing, turns out, it pretends to be other things in order to infect them. And then it can assume whatever form it kind of needs to. It can change forms into other forms. It can break into multiple different parts and become multiple things that then change form. And it's, it's gross. It's creepy. It has the other thing of like yeah. you don't know who it is. It's a it's a very yeah. It's well, a, a very there's a joke big a like we, and we we've, we we probably talked about the thing the most as as a single 
movie that we've referred to the most, it's probably Event Horizon and The Thing. I, I know we definitely refer to both yeah. of them. That's true. Starship, Starship Troopers, Troopers is up, is up there. there. Starship Troopers. But yeah, the thing there. is, it, it's yeah. a very creepy body horror concept. Because, like, it, it, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a cult classic. It, it's basically and what's, secluded people dealing with this alien being that yeah. can mimic them. You know, so paranoia, you know, d- delusions. It, yeah, it checks like, all the boxes. It, it's psychological horror. It's body horror. It's monster gore horror. at certain points. There's creepy yep. monster fights. There's the man Ugh. versus environment because it's in Antarctica. I will never forget when the dude is freaking out and he goes to give him the different relationship. Such a good fucking and scene. Oh, and it's <laughs> just like, dude, oh, his man. chest oh, just that spits open. Me- Gives into a giant mouth, his hand mouth just like what's on like two arms. arms yeah it it's oh, like yeah. a death guard stomach dude it basically just like yeah. opens up and then just eats his hands like it's, it's so good it's an alien but it basically functions like yeah. chaos monsters would yeah 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 very much it, actually. it, it, does, it operates it really, more like a chaos beast than it in, does really tie into chaos yeah than it does an alien, but it itself is an so alien it, from another. It planet. came out. Yeah. Um, there's there's a really interesting thing about the movie The Thing. <laughs> it's such a weird movie to talk about because we keep saying the thing. The thing. <laughs> what thing is so that? It came thing? out. <laughs> What's the I, thing? I had, to, the thing about the I, I had thing? to verify because I knew that it it came out kind of around this time, but it came out in '82. It came out really, really close to like the gas issues of the nineteen, like the late, like like 1979. And it was a very overall kind of depressing time in U.S. history. And it was not well-received. It, it's a very dark movie. Um, really? Well, Stephen and, King, and it, too. It's, the funny thing about it is nowadays... Oh, I forgot it was King. I, is yeah, it oh, yeah. Stephen King? Oh, yeah. Did he, Stephen did King, he write it? Right. That's it. Yeah, it's, oh, it was okay. originally a book. Um, I, it, it's one oh. of those films that, like, nowadays is considered one of the best horror it. films ever made um because it ticks oh, yeah, as, as kevin said it ticks a lot of the boxes it's john uh, john carpenter right yeah it's john oh carpenter. shut up john Car- he directed I it. He john carpenter oh, he's the director yeah, I don't yeah but no stephen stephen, stephen king wrote most it. of stephen king's stuff is bad that's the only reason yeah. i'm like did he but maybe he did no the um he also Stephen King also yeah, did the Stephen mist King too, definitely right? did yeah 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 I liked the yeah. mist the mist was good I ju- it's I uh, finally on Netflix and I was like ah now I can watch it without paying for yeah the thing uh hundred percent it was written by Stephen King I'm almost a hundred percent sure but while he continues yep. to look that up let's keep talking about it it's just so good because as it as the like infection progresses through the party of people. It eventually leads to the them trying to figure out the test, and then everybody's like, "Well, fuck you! I don't. How do I know you're not the thing making up the test to just tell right, everybody else right. the thing?" Like, oh, it's so good. The psychological horror that goes back and forth and the paranoia, like you said, is just it's top notch. It is so tense at times. Like, there's not very many movies that can get tension without using like overt violence to right. like help escalate it, like you sitting next to somebody who might not be the exactly. person yeah, it, that they look like like that's such a creepy oh. thing so <laughs> and then even if you go right. all the way oh yeah the and end, that that's the th- like that last sequence people still argue about it 
that last sequence. People argue. People argue to this day who was actually well. The thing well, most at the people end. argue that Childs is the thing because he doesn't have his breath doesn't mist at the end of the movie. Yeah, he doesn't breathe. He does, yeah, he doesn't. Fog. But it, but breath. at the end of the day, it, it doesn't matter. They're oh, both gonna die wrong. because of the temperature outside. Yeah, it was written by it. It is. Yeah, yeah. and at John the end Campbell. of the day, it was written by another. And you're right. And at I the end totally, of the day, but another another very famous they, they don't actually, um, science fiction horror up. writer. So you had science fiction horror writer, right? And John Carpenter yeah. is just up yeah. there, like top notch. I totally thought. Totally oh yeah, Carpenter's Stephen great. Totally you had me, Stephen man. King. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> I totally thought it was. I was way. Yeah, off. the thing. The thing is a great monster or a great, great alien, and and oh, such so a good. different idea for few... an alien too, because it doesn't have. We're never. Yeah. You never see what the thing looks like because it just it it's as Tom I think mentioned towards the beginning. Well, it just copies like the molecular other structure of other yeah. things. Yeah, the, and it the, can become all kinds of other things in the process. Yeah, the the crazy <laughs> thing about it is that um, <laughs> it can't do it. Um, so there's there's a prequel that came out that was actually really good. And then there yes. was a oh video God, game the video that was game a sequel, was which was actually really good. There was all. also a really old, old video game that follows the uh, the plot of the original movie, more mm-hmm. or less. Yeah, and that was on like GameCube back in the day. But and that game was really good too. Yeah, but but the 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 stories between all three of them, the ones that I'm like specifically talking about, the prequel movie and oh, yeah. sequel video game is they were not connected at all but they were because they were just written really well um mm-hmm. and th- what's so funny is that like after this movie there were so many other movies that came out with a very similar premise deep yeah. star six yep. and leviathan were yep. almost like copy paste except they were like instead of the, the frozen arctic we're gonna make it underwater you know, yeah, like the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, I mean, Deep Star Six was like literally a, a, a copy. You know, like, so I oh, had the thing on VHS, and then when the thing, the video game came out, uh, nice. if you pre-registered for it, the fr- the no, the, the two thousand two game, when you pre-registered, when you yeah, pre-registered for about. it, you got the DVD in the game. It, in the it, DVD yeah. for the movie. So I actually, yeah. the thing is one of the only DVDs I own in my entire life that is in a clear jewel case and that is it and there's no cover there's no nothing because the reason that i own the thing on dvd (laughs) is because i got it when i bought the video game that and that allowed me to replace my vhs copy it was one of the few horror films that i had from the vhs era I fucking I it's one of my still one of my favorite movies still one of my favorite movies oh it's a great movie so good Oh yeah, and then, I could I, mean, I could watch that. The watchability is still good. The like, testament to how today. to how good that like just the premise is is fast forward to what two or three years ago at this point. Oh yeah, look at Among Us. Oh yeah, everybody played that game for. I mean, it was like a month or two straight, basically. But that's the same. All of the same concept. It's literally the same concept turned into a like a multiplayer game, and. They took it to the next level where they're voting everybody out and got to try to track them down. But, oh, man, that's it's crazy that the same premise is still relevant oh, to yeah. like, people today. 
and that we find it still just as terrifying, even though that it's an ancient concept. Well, it's it's the it's the it's the unknown yeah. thing. <laughs> it's the unknown thing that's known. It's hiding in plain sight. It's 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 the whole concept yeah. that the person that you're next to, the person that you're supposed to trust the most, isn't who you think they are. It's uh yeah, or couldn't be. You know, could not be. And then trying to make that decision is a that's whole a like fuck. breaks your psyche. Yeah. Well, it's so to it. to continue with weird ass shit that you guys may or may not have heard of ever before. Um, I am gonna bring up the Pearson's <laughs> puppeteers as my alien. I was gonna yeah, say you probably don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, never heard of. No, it's like the thing is the only one that I've heard of, and it's <laughs> called the thing <laughs> like, that we've talked about so far. That looks like an ostrich with four legs. Kinda. Uh, there we go. There we Two go. Ostriches. All right. So a Pearson's puppeteer are just so Pearson's puppeteers are also known as puppeteers are from Larry Niven's known universe novel series. Larry Niven is a is a science fiction author that I'm going to talk about a lot because Larry Niven is one of the first authors that I read that inspired me to get into creative writing. Larry Niven has a, his universe. It's his fault. It's his fault this then. podcast is his fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how I'm saying. So, so he's got a known universe. So, you know, think of the Milky Way galaxy, but only part of it is understood. Only part of it is colonized by humans. Only part of it is understood by humans. So, a lot of things that we kind of take for granted a little bit in the science fiction universe, the greater thing, especially in the video game universe, kind of go back to Niven ideas. And Niven has written a lot of science fiction that ended or a lot of episodes, science fiction episodes that end up in some of our favorite shows, Star Trek being a huge one. Uh, if you guys are familiar with the Kazinti tiger people in the Star Trek expanded universe, they're big His cat people. They're familiar. big, angry tiger people. The, um, she... If you've seen, or if you've played the game wing commander, the tiger people that are the bad guys. Oh, yeah, yeah, they look like uh, fucking Goldar from Power Rangers, minus the wings. Yes, that is a Larry Niven <laughs> race. They are not evil. They're an adversarial race. They're, they're, they're bad guys. Yeah. They're big guys. So Pearson's puppeteers were discovered by a guy named Pearson, which is why they're called Pearson's puppeteers. But puppeteers are highly intelligent herbivores. They're, so they're a herd animal. They prefer the company of their own kind. They operate a lot uh, on the same level of Vespid. A lot of it is um, non-communicative stuff. So it's pheromones and smell is a lot of the way that they interact with their own kind. They reproduce similar to wasps. So there's another interesting connection to mm -hmm. Vespid. They consider themselves like, to have eggs. Or... No, they, they so they, they operate a lot like the digger wasps. So they consider a puppeteer considers okay. themselves to have three genders: two are male and one is female inside each creature. So they're the two male genders are equivalent to a human female, and the male one has an ovipositor. So they're the one that produces the female is the one that pr produces the sperm, and the female is non sentient. So it's a a para, it's a parasited style host. And then that's deposited, but all of them exist within Weird. one creature. Um, I, yeah, I'm fucking lost. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing that's cool about them 
is the way that they look. So they are three-legged, and they have two mouth stalks. And they're kind of like mouth limbs is another way to look at them. So they've got these two heads that come out of their body, each have a single eye, and then they're surrounded, their mouth, so to speak, is surrounded by like these fleshy like thumbs is the only way to kind of describe it. So they yeah, use yeah, it looks like good. their you're lips are fingers. <laughs> they yeah. use their mouths <laughs> to manipulate everything. So steering spaceships, firing weapons, all of that sort of stuff is all manipulated by their mouth parts. But they also speak through them. In... Wait, hold on. So this thing is like an intelligent race? Yes, these are intelligent. What the they're, fuck? It looks in... like a fucking cow. <laughs> right? They're incredibly intelligent. Uh, so... They are very advanced, centuries or millenniums ahead of any other species, including humans, when they're encountered. For example, humans in Niven's universe invented or actually purchased from the puppeteers a method of cheap teleportation in the 25th century called the transfer booth. So if you're, you know, Star Trek, um, teleporter, beamer, same sort of thing. On their planets, on puppeteers' planets, they have these discs that are laid in the ground. And as you step onto the disc, it immediately teleports you to the next disc. So puppeteers, in a lot of ways, That's cool. instantaneously travel around their empire. They're a herbivore, so they're not very warlike. They're not very... Predatory. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, they don't have, like, a killing instinct that's not in them. Yes. And, in fact, puppeteers that are courageous, puppeteers that do, are explorers, are considered to have symptoms that humans would associate with mental illnesses, such as bipolar disorder or clinical depression. So a... a puppeteer who's willing to go out and explore or who's willing to fight is looked at as being this like a crazy person abnormal ish yeah but not not necessarily it's seen as like a depression like oh they're just they're 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 suffering from something that can be treated it's not looked at the way that we look at the the way that humans look at courage it it's difficult to talk about this stuff without, I'm not trying to be condescending. I'm not trying to say anything negative about people who are suffering from stuff because it sucks, but that's the way that their race looks at being courageous. They look at it in the same vein of like, this is a treatable mental disorder essentially, which is a, it's a very, they're a very alien concept. I mean, one, they're a herbivore, so they're not very aggressive. Which is really cool. I like that. I, that's actually a really interesting thing because we never think of aliens as, you know, that type of thing. We're usually like they're omnivorous or they're, you know what I mean? Or like they, they, not that they just like, oh, they only eat plants. Like that's never brought up when most people right. think of aliens. You yeah, know? I think I've only ever encountered that once in another sci fi universe. There was a race of aliens that basically was. Uh, they only ate vegetarian style because they were psychic and the act of killing an animal like they would feel oh it. they could feel oh, it that's cool yeah that's really so they cool. were literally forced into being vegetarian like they can't kill things and it's actually <laughs> yeah, they're all, I, I can't i can't eat it because i feel like i can't yeah exactly and so what's what? crazy is um they get attacked by an alien, another alien race, and they come to humanity like, hey, you guys are good at killing stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. We're real bad at killing stuff, but we have a lot of technology. So oh, <laughs> the Kilrathi. Is that what they're named? No. 
that's in Wing Commander, the tiger yeah. people are called the Kilrothi. Because ah. I was like, what is he saying? He sounds like it. And I was like, so, I know, like to kill the Kilrothi jump cruiser. You know, right. I was like, I remember that. Like, so they're called the, in the Niven universe, they're called the Kazinti. And, and in uh, fact, okay, okay. in the Star Trek universe, because Niven wrote several. So there's a really weird thing that happens in the Star Trek universe. The Star Trek universe is one of those universes that is like synonymous for the term of canon and retconning. So Star Trek yeah. oh, at yeah. one point split pretty badly into a couple of different universes. And Niven wrote a bunch of stuff that's now considered, it's not legends. It's, I can't remember. It, it's like, like the expanded. Yeah. It, it's got its own name. It's the expanded Star Trek universe. It's the original. So there there's, it's the original series continuity. And then there's the next generation continuity. So in the original series continuity, the Kazinti come in to they're one of the races that's introduced as a a foil to the federation in fact if you are familiar with any of the old role-playing games that took place in the star trek universe or the um, space combat game because there there was a like battle fleet gothic style game for star trek in fact yeah i have the books over there on my shelf um the kazinti nice. are one of the races in it so you can actually have kazinti ships fighting I against had it federation on a ships. yeah and, and they're in that game too and that's actually how they ended up in wing commander it's how that concept came across and i actually almost did the kazin because i think they're fucking cool there's an entire you no know, this is this i'm i am so intrigued by this fucking two-headed camel thing. looking thing like so, i am i am obsessed with it right now <laughs> like, so socially the notable traits of the puppeteer are their racial and cultural penchants towards cowardice and their tendency to congregate in large herds because they're a herd animal the cowardice is thought in the puppeteer to success the cowardice element in puppeteer society is thought to have originated from the puppeteer's instinct for turning their one their back on danger. However, the trait is thought by many to actually originate from a herd instinct, as when they turn their back, they're able to rear up on their front feet and kick out powerfully with their hind hoof and kill. Generally speaking, like dogs and cats and a bunch of different animals, when they show you their belly, it's their like submitting to you. But when a gerbil or a hamster shows you it's their belly, it's their aggression because they're getting ready to attack with all their limbs. It kind of has that like feel to it. Like, you know. When, when an animal turns its back to you, it's, it's showing some form of submission. Unless it's a cow or a horse, and that's going to kick the fuck out of you. <laughs> You're right going to die. <laughs> well, unless it's, uh, it's more powerful weapons or its feet. You know, like that's, that's kind of the mentality of it. Right. Well, and, and puppeteers they... do use weapons. They use, like, blasters and stuff in some of the later ones. What the fuck? How? How? Why are they called puppeteers? Is it because they got hands for mouths? Like, it, and they can make shadow puppets? Like, it's because of the way that they manipulate technology is seen a lot. It's seen by humans when they're first encountered as being like a puppeteer manipulating marionettes. So, Dude. like, they don't have steering wheels and they don't have like, you know, pitch and yaw sticks and stuff like that. They've got essentially what look like marionette controls for their spaceships. Wow, dude, these are so weird. They're they're such these a cool, are, dude, fucking a wacky ass. What alien. the fuck? Like, <laughs> dude, it's so weird. 
I've yeah. never. So wait, hold, Pearson's Puppeteer. So what is the book? What's the book that they're in? So the first book that they're introduced in is the Fleet of Worlds, but they're also in the Ring Worlds. They're in. Uh, there's a there's a very famous puppeteer in most of the Ring World books. He's actually, or she's actually, it is actually one of the puppeteers that's suffering from their form of mental illness. So he likes to go out and explore. Um. Their their ships are really How interesting. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, well, because they don't like to be away from their own kind. So you know, being out alone with a bunch of humans on the fringe of space, exploring new shit, is seen as oh, you crazy. <laughs> um, they're they're interesting. If you if you've got an interest in just kind of like wacky, kind of out there science fiction concepts, Larry Niven is a good place to start. He's not most technical i guess of scientific of science fiction writers like you're not going to be you're not going to be wondering what like red shift means and what it means to blue shift through a red shift while bouncing too close to a black hole to get to the mathematical equation of pi so you can see whether or not your mother is your father's sister's brother's ancestor twice removed that you've been at war with for your entire life and you're like i don't want to do the math that you just said he's not that level he's more the level of like Here's a unique alien concept and how this alien race would work and why it would work. It it's kind of a good, in my opinion, it's kind of a good like okay. pre-runner to 40k in a lot of ways. Um Larry Niven wrote the integral trees, which I brought up with the gas torus, the whole idea that there's an entire atmosphere at the Goldilocks zone of a star system that you can live inside of. And there's there's no planet, it's just an atmosphere wrapped around a star. Okay, okay. He's also the guy that the ring ring world is a big thing that he's known for. Ring That's, world, yeah. obviously, being that the oh, halo okay. is a small ring world. God, dude, yeah, this is so fucking weird. They're really, really cool. It's probably it's so one of weird. my favorite weird ass things. But yeah, they they've yeah, got good job, Jesus. <laughs> and they've got all sorts of. They've got a little bit of that like old one to them too. If I remember correctly, it's been a while since I read a lot of this stuff dealing with the puppeteers and the Kazinti, but the puppeteers like fucked around with human genetics when we were still in living in trees and they screwed around with Kazin genetics when the Kazin were still essentially just tigers. They hadn't really formed into men yet or men beasts yet. When was this, when was, when was this race like created? What book and like what year did this thing come out? I think the first book they are featured in is the fleet of worlds, which was written in, well, it was 2007. That's not the first book they were in. Dude. What's so crazy to me is that like, it's, it, it's like looking at this thing, it's like you were like, oh yeah, like this is an alien that has super advanced, like if you just said to someone like, oh, an alien with super advanced technology, you're you thinking of think like of a this. gray boy. Yeah. You, yeah. You don't think of like a horse camel emu crossbreed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like, like, I'm like looking at this thing and it makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> like, so I think the first time they're seen are introduced that's like widely published as Ringworld, which is 1970. Um they're they're in all of the Ringworld books. But they have their own set of books. The first one being The Fleet of Worlds, which was released in 2007. Then there's The Juggler of Worlds, Destroyer of Worlds, and Betrayer of Worlds. Can, 
can you take the picture down? It's making me nervous. Like, <laughs> like you know, dude, I don't want to look I, at I it anymore. Yeah, the, the more the more that you Here, talk is this about one better? it, the more I'm like, <laughs> Tom, yeah, Tom, that's better. It's okay. You can you can totally want to put your dick in its mouth. No, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, dude, it grosses me out. It's got them nub nub just... mouth. Like, dude, I wish Mark were here. Mark would die. Mark would just Mark like would, short. Mark would talk about getting a footy handy. Oh, from dude, it. his brain would blow up. Like he wouldn't even be able to function with this thing. I mean, look, dude. Okay, if you're just listening, go look this thing up, dude. It is the it, like the more I look at it, the more I'm confused and upset about it. Like, <laughs> like, so they they appear me, it's just awkward looking. It's so awkward. They appear in a bunch of different stuff. So they appeared in a Green Lantern novel or a Green Lantern comic that was written by Niven, which is Green Lantern uh, Gaffel's Tale. Um, they appear in a couple of panels of the comic. They appear in the Marvel comic Uncanny X-Men number 125 on page 16. They, if you, you want to find them. Yep. There's one no. on the cover variant for the third issue of Star Trek's comic Leonard McCoy, Frontier Doctor. Um, no. No. Nope. <laughs> nope. They're no, in... I refuse. I refuse that this is an X-Men. It's in fucking X-Men. <laughs> Did you look up the exact episode, yeah. the exact comic? Yeah. Uh they're yeah. in and it is just as weird looking. One of the oh, one of them God. fights against the Yuri and the manga Alien 9. And a puppeteer as well as several other known universe species appear in episode 14 a... of Star Trek the animated series. The slaver's weapon. Yeah, I was gonna say, is there a movie that these things are in? They're in a they're in a couple of Star Trek episodes, and well, you want to see it move. Don't Niven you? stuff can, is in a couple of. of the animated uh, Star Trek series stuff because that that's one of the things. The original series continuity continued in the animated series, and that was the big split because the animated series could do things that the television series couldn't, because obviously animated. So, oh man, it I just it's so. Oh, I don't know how to feel about this thing, dude. Like, God fucking damn, weird. You win, but but at you the win. same time, you like... win. If this was a competition, <laughs> you won. I wasn't trying to win. Ew! There's a picture of its mouth thumbs grabbing a pencil, and I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, the, the whole idea behind all this stuff that we brought up today, and we're, we're definitely going to have to do a part two, whether or not it's our next episode, or whether or not it's another kind of relaxed round table that we do in the future. You know, we, we just brought up a bunch of different aliens that are, you know, we brought up aliens that exist in 40 K that are kind of weird and out there. And then we brought up a bunch of aliens, not in 40 K and kind of the whole creative writing idea behind it. The whole thing that, that we're hoping you guys get out of this and the whole thing that we're hoping you, you feel and, and see and think about is the whole idea <laughs> I love that I love that you posted it somewhere that Marky can see it. Is the whole idea that like you don't have to be bound to kind of the, the I'm gonna call it the Star Trek next generation thing where like the yeah. Romulans look like humans, the mm -hmm. Klingons look like everything just became humans with a different brow structure. <laughs> like yeah, what was yeah, the yeah. What were the people? Who are the people with the like nose ridges? That oh. did Deep Space Nine. There was the really cute one that was the, like the second I, in command. Yeah, Bashira. 
I always yeah, like Bajorans. Bajorans, okay. Yeah, there's like the Cardassians and the Ferengi. I actually and really Car- like the Cardassians. Cool and shit. I, yeah, I love the Ferengi. The Ferengi are cool. Not the actual the rules Car- of like, acquisition. Star Trek Cardassians. I always. The in world Cardassians. <laughs> I always liked oh, yeah. Ferengis, and the more I get into like looking into like rogue trader stuff, you, the more I hear Ferengi would. shit in my head. Yeah. <laughs> like every time yeah, a rogue trader, like I'm reading oh, a rogue yeah. trader thing, I hear Ferengis in my head. Yeah. I'm like, that's exactly oh, what you dude, fucking the, would. The rogue <laughs> traders absolutely. Absolutely operate under the same oh, principles as the phrase, <laughs> like, like guys, unbound capitalism. <laughs> guys, I just, I just really want you to see this picture I just posted. Uh, it's, it's really gross. Like, <laughs> all right. Anybody oh. watching, like, I, you need to get Patreon just so you can look at these photos. Because now, Ryan, you have to post it when I show this. It is disgusting. <laughs> oh my good god! <laughs> you see it? Like it's like it, is, it looks like it's, balls. <laughs> this is your alien. Uh, this god. is it's like these like mouth like these thumb lips. <laughs> like, I can't even explain it, dude. It's got got them bubble thumb lips. Like and this is what this is what happens when you use your camel toe to why? pick up a pencil. <laughs> <laughs> why did you why because tom found it so he had to share it with yeah, exactly. us exactly just because i it makes me uncomfortable oh my god <laughs> so you guys have both seen jackass 4.5 right no i have not oh actually. okay so the, so the the like making of documentary of jackass 4 oh yes I, no i did actually so, see that, so yeah. the the first challenge they do where they're they're doing the the long jump. The two bigger guys are doing the long jump over the rest of the cast, and they have the the oh, camel yeah. toe off where Preston pulls his his ball. That's what this looks like. It looks like. Uh, <laughs> I love Kevin's reaction. He's all why. <laughs> well, well, guys, <laughs> well, listeners, um, a yeah. big a big reason. I think that, that does it. <laughs> a big reason that we do this is that we're we're all very very passionate about the ideas behind creative writing and obviously creative writing in the Warhammer 40k universe. But as I brought up at the beginning of this episode, if you look at those ideas of fringe space, you, you're you're developing the ideas of like a rogue trader house, something like Kevin uh, Kev's doing, or if you're looking at um, a race like the Tau who work with auxiliaries or something like that. There's this, there's these opportunities to remove the aliens that you're conceptualizing for your short stories and for your creative writing from the idea of two arms, two legs ahead, you know, and, and, and take it even further than like, oh, well, they've got a tail, you know, like, like uh, I brought up the idea of lizard folk and Tengu at the beginning of this and, you know, Tengu are bird people and lizard folk are lizard people. And those are, those are, we're not saying don't do that. Do pretty much whatever you want at the end of the day, but don't necessarily feel that you have to be bound to any particular structure. You know, I brought up a, a three-legged creature with two mouths. You brought up a it, fucking monstrosity. Is what he uses his hands. Like Tom, Tom brought up the Borg, which I, from it, as much as they look like humans, it, the, the concept of what they are is so alien. Uh, it, well, and that's it's the thing. so like, different they don't, from what if, we picture. 
if there weren't hu- the thing about them is that if there weren't humans, it would just be something else. You could right. it could be these fucking ball hand mouth things, like you know <laughs> the fucking puppeteers. Ball oh, hand. that would be <laughs> even worse. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, but that's what I'm saying. Like that. Oh man, I don't to, have my camera, but I was about to imitate what a, a yeah. Borg. <laughs> Are you gonna yeah, pick up a pencil like with your balls? A Borg, <laughs> a Borg puppet puppeteer. Um, yeah, but that's the thing you can, yeah, that the alien, the idea of them is actually not, you could use any race. The only reason that yeah. the Borg look human is because they're fighting humans, you know, but. Well, and, and, you know, <laughs> even, even with the example of the thing from the thing, it's, it's mm-hmm. not, uh, you can't, you don't know that could be, and that could be an interesting story element. If you're telling a one, especially if you're telling a one-off story in the 40 K universe, you know, some biological weapon or even some alien species just infects somebody and that it, it operates that same way. There's nothing to bind you to, you know, oh, well, I have to have Tau in my story or, oh, I have to have Eldar in my story. You just just you know, go nuts. If you want to go nuts, dude, go nuts. Dude, the whole, like, Kevin bringing up the thing, the whole aspect of the thing is that in every movie right the first movie the prequel the video game you don't actually know what it is you know there there i mean cuz <clears throat> you know spoiler but the spaceship that it like landed on earth wasn't it <laughs> it wasn't what that thing was it yeah, was it, it that had just thing had taken over things. yeah yeah, like <laughs> that thing it just well, got yeah into that's those the other things. thing is there's yeah. some like back lore that you can learn that like the ship that it crashed onto Earth in wasn't. It didn't make that ship. Right. It was no. hitching a ride. Yeah, here you know, on you there. never <laughs> see it. There's, it's yeah. just and a you never being. see the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, you it's never just a being. You never see it not copying. So you never see as, it as something yeah. else. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 at at the risk of what I kind of always do in episodes is. A, one of the things that I wrote into the Startide Expanse are, I call them the Veln. And the Veln are a hive race. They're a hive mind race, but they're a hive mind race of nano-sized objects, like nano-insects. But Ooh. unlike normal nanos that can just continue to self-replicate, the colonies are bound by a certain size. If the colony grows to a certain size, it can no longer, the hive mind can no longer communicate effectively and the excess grows into a new colony. So Hmm, as it expands, it splits into another being. And the way that they operate is they essentially um, inhabit artificial suits that can look however they want, but since they generally interact with humans, they essentially like inhabit um, like a spacesuit. So it's a spacesuit that's a controlled environment for the Veln, and the Veln live inside of it essentially, and they operate it like they're a person, like they're a human. That's how they operate in so galactic they're society. Kind of it's like sort of like the, um, it's sort of like the, the hunters from Halo. Yeah, or the yes. or the gas thing from Hellboy. <laughs> The, the guy who turned yeah, himself yeah, into yeah. gas and Hellboy. But yeah. the Veln are potentially an artificially constructed super weapon. They're what's left of an artificially constructed super weapon because there's another thing in the universe of Star Tide Expanse called nano husks. And nano husks are when a entity similar to the Veln decide to inhabit 
biological tissue against the biological tissue's wishes. And they, they basically zombify things. So um, rogue Velm. That's how the Borg operate. Yeah. Technically. Yeah. It, the it, Borg it, are, are in, they infect by nanobots. Oh, interesting. I didn't that, see. I didn't know. Oh, that. Yeah. 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 They, that's, the, that's how they, that's get why you, they though. always, when you see them, they reach out and grab somebody. Yep. Uh, they First touch you. thing. Ah. Yeah, okay. is, they, they they also they, have tasers in their hands but they they hit you with the nanobots so it starts slowly turning you into a borg right then yeah, and there yeah so in that, that's I, they they're in their fingers so they like a tube comes out yeah there's like you. sometimes Ooh, it'll man. zoom in and do a little like clip of it and they have these like two little tubes that'll come out of their wrist or their fingers and they'll start in, you know injecting people so when I when I wrote Star Tide Expanse, I wrote Star Tide Expanse to be a gaming system. So the reason that the Veln operate the way they do is because like obviously you're gonna have hit point you're gonna have the equivalent of hit points or wounds. So you can't just be an endless right. nano construct. So I came up with, with storyline reasons. And the the way the reason I came up with nano husks was this whole idea of, you know, their origin, that they're a weapon. They were a weapon at one point. The Veln are just the ones that evolved and are not bound to what they were but at some point some race released what they used to be and it you know killed off it gray gooed entire star systems it they they killed entire star systems so every once in a while people will find like these super dense like cubes or balls you know the size of your fist and it's just all these nanites and if you pick it up it immediately infests you and you basically become a zombie it's it was my way of making like space zombies. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. It works. I think we're at a, a good wrapping up place. I'd love to have a second episode about this where we actually brainstorm some new fringe races. Maybe we'll come back with a fringe race episode where we, we we've taken Ooh, a little yeah. bit of time and come up with our own alien species for various rogue traders to encounter and the uh we're going to have to come up with what the unknown region outside of the Carcosan sector is called. Like what it, cause it's part of the halo oh. stars, but what's it actually called? Cause halo stars is a very generic term. Thank you very much uh, guys for listening. I'm already, I'm already brainstorming. You come up so with a name and shoot it to us. If you've got some lore of your own or yeah. you got some scary experiences, maybe some cryptid sightings, UFO sightings, anything like that, go ahead and email them to us at under the hive of madness at gmail.com or jimdarkgaming at gmail.com. Another way you can get involved in our community and interact with us is by joining our Discord. Not only is that a way that you can get us those stories and those concepts pretty easily as well, but you can interact with the other members of our community, come up with brainstorm some lore ideas. We talk, uh, we talk an awful lot about Warhammer 40k there, <laughs> obviously. Yep, absolutely. It's probably uh, it's a very it's a very active active Discord. It's not something that you know. There's a lot that I've seen that where you jump into and it's like people barely are ever on or anything. There's literally always conversations happening. It's pretty. I can't pretty keep up, and I check it multiple times a day. Yeah, yeah. And there's usually <laughs> no kidding. There's usually some. All right, well, recently there's been a lot of really cool stuff in our Harvey Progress channel because we've gotten oh, we've gotten dude, some pretty cool. I was amazed, ideas actually, tossed around related to that. It blew my mind because I always forget that we also post stuff on Facebook because we're always talking about our Discord. But it's also up on Facebook, and I was scrolling through, and I totally forgot that we were posting our user stuff up there. And I oh, was yeah. like, oh, damn, somebody in, like, one of my just, like, normal Warhammer groups painted up some really cool shit. I'm like, wait a minute. 
That's I know my that Warhammer guy. group. <laughs> That's my Warhammer group. <laughs> yeah, we have some pretty amazing so, painters. That was pretty good. Good job, guys. Yeah, we do. We try to do, as Kev mentioned, we do release stuff on other various social media platforms as well as our is our website, which we admittedly update very rarely, but we do have a website. Um, so there's definitely a bunch of ways to interact with us. One of the best ways to help us, if you enjoyed our podcast, which we know you did, go ahead and give us a five-star like and review wherever you get your podcast fix. Apple, definitely a great place to hit us up. You can also find us on Spotify. Spotify, arguably our home base. But we're out there on several different platforms, and I, I think we're, we're on a bunch of them. Um, Get, not GitHub. GitHub is not a podcaster, but... Uh, Get fucking wrecked! <laughs> <laughs> Pocket Cast, we're on Stitcher, we're on, we're on several different podcast networks. So wherever you find us, please, please, please give us a thumbs up, give us a five-star review, give us, give us what you can. Also, if YouTube is more your speed and you just happen to run across this episode randomly, we are releasing our backlog episodes over on YouTube. There's a little bit of a video component to it. But if you want the true video experience, the way to get a hold of that is through Patreon. Patreon.com slash Under the Hive of Madness. Best way. Best way to watch it. I, I watch it now all the time. I hate myself. <laughs> That's awesome. We we release a video podcast version of what you just heard every week, usually just a little bit before the podcast episode itself drops. I try to work in a bunch of visual aids so you can kind of understand what we are talking about. We're trying something new this time. There's a screen sharing feature with one of the pieces of software we use. So I actually use that today to kind of try to pull up some of the images. So we'll see how that works out. But yeah, we try to give a little bit more visual experience into everything. Plus, you can see us. You can see us being kind of weird. And uh, I yet, generally speaking, edit those just a little bit less. Another thing that you get access to immediately with the Patreon is you get entered into um, our, our, our painting contest, if you are so inclined. We do a painting contest four times a year. There's always a different theme. We are finishing up with our fantasy theme right now. But we will be announcing our next theme, which will most likely be centered around something in the horror universe, because our next holiday is Halloween coming on up here. So if you are interested in that, what's up? Yeah. 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 I I guess that would be the next. Our 4th of July, our um, celebration of the Golden Aquila is coming up. (laughs) Whatever we're going to name the 4th of July 40K. Yeah, I'd say that works. Uh, Yeah. So that that's definitely something we think it's pretty cool. We love seeing everybody's artwork. We also do we get together as the hosts and we do a little uh, kind of forged in fire ink master style episode where we look at everybody's paint jobs we kind of give our impressions and then we vote and then because we hate ourselves we are now competing in the fantasy and not in the fantasy we are now competing in the painting contest and we are pulling some of our past winners and other podcast and community members to vote on us And Tom, Tom, you want to watch Yeah, I was like, I still yet to see that video. I, I need to, it, it should, it should actually be out here within the next week. Um, we, we've, uh, we are a DIY group. So if you guys like what you're hearing, please, please support us. It is the only way we can continue I doing thought, what we're doing right now. I thought, I thought we were a DIR group. DIR? 
Duray? Do it, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do it, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, do it, Ryan. <laughs> I'm going to go cry in the shower and then edit. <laughs> I just, yeah, that in, was, fact, yeah in fact, if do I it. remember right earlier, you were trying to pull up a picture of the uh, homeworld gas giant of uh, the Vespid, I and didn't... you pulled up a pretty cool terrain piece that I think you should build into a <laughs> yeah, full board. That, yeah. uh, do it. Do it. it. Was get actually, get was, to it. Do it, Ryan. I was actually <laughs> looking it, for, uh, Tom, you might... <laughs> You might remember this, but back the new one. Back in the (laughs) back in the fourth. Back in yeah, back in fourth edition, there was Vespid terrain. I very distinctly remember there being like floating island Vespid terrain at one point. Well, I don't probably in a white dwarf. Yeah, I don't think it was specifically Vespid. I think it's just You had pulled up a picture of it earlier. Did I? Yeah, I had found something. It looked like a 3D print. It did, or like a 3D file you could buy and print. It didn't. Oh, maybe. But a lot I, of... I remember there being something in like a white dwarf. I'm going to have to dig through my old white dwarfs and see if I can find it again. Cause I've yeah, I mean, a lot of that thing. floating, the floating thing, floating terrain came around after Avatar. That was like a big, big push everybody was doing was like, look at my float, my Pandora Mountains. And that was know? like, what, 2006? Seven, two thousand. When did it was Pan- a fucking, yeah? It was a fucking long time ago. <laughs> yeah, we we've been waiting on those second, third, and fourth movies, Cameron. I'm just saying. I don't know. I know, I'd right? Rather them take except, their time. Except I would. I hope that they remembered that humans eventually have more guns than the enemies have animals. I think they do. <laughs> think yeah, from from that. the from the trailers I've seen, it looks like they've been pushed out and are fighting from even further away. Well, we'll see. Yes. That'll be interesting. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. Well, Hivers, we are deep down and twisted in this labyrinthian wasteland of the sump, but we are finding some primo arcanotech. I don't know, Kev, I uh, might have to buy you a round next time we're up there. I'm pretty sure this plasma gun I just found is going to outshoot everything I have and not outshoot my face if I fuck up. So, you know. There's only one way to find out. What, whatever true. you do with that it's thing, true. just do it over there. You don't want to stand next to me yeah. when I find over, out if it no. overheats and fails? No. Yeah. No. So over there. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, we have been 665.66UHMR Chemrat Radio broadcasting box wide all across Innsmouth Hive, no matter where we are. Huh? What was that? <laughs> Barking spiders on the wall. Oh. <laughs> Just remember when you're walking down the uh, dark alleyways and you hear that pitter patter, watch the blood splatter. <laughs> I like it. I like oh, it. I like that. I like that. Yeah, Forearm Emperor up there on the second, <laughs> the second, third floor just chowing yeah. down on his last victim. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I figured it. it was about somebody on their period. Uh, Is that not it? (laughs) These motherfuckers.